Well, welcome back to Pastor Plex Podcast. So excited that all of you are here where we talk faith, culture, and everything in between. I'm your host, Pastor Plex. And with me in the studio, once again, is none other than Jacob Lalden, uh, the, the WCC intern champion. Uh, we, we love Jacob. He does everything from evangelize lost people to take out the trash. We're really grateful for his hard work here. And uh, Miss Nicole Super Trooper, uh, how are you? I'm good. You good? We've got my coffee now, so you feel better. Yeah, I do. All right. Well, we're we got some questions from our uh, peeps in the audience. We're so grateful for these. And the first one is: Why do we, as Wells Branch Community Church, vote to endorse elders and deacons, but not staff? I thought this was a great, 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 great question. All right. So um, back in the olden days, when uh, I had a vision that in our in our principles and practices. It says that we can have deacons, but we never did. And I was like, why don't we have deacons? And I went and asked Hill Country Bible Church about it, why they didn't do deacons. They said it got too confusing when it came to staff. And so, you know, is a staff person supporting the deacon or is a deacon supporting the staff? And I was like, you're telling me that we stepped away from a biblically empowered role just because of conflict? That seems weird to me. Um, Now, that doesn't mean we haven't had our fair share of issues with deacons and staff, but I felt like that would be a really important thing to add to to kind of have more biblically empowered roles because there is no church staff in the Bible. It's all elders and deacons. Okay. So deacons uh, in our principles and practice do not have to be voted for. That's awkward for everybody. Awkward. So then why do we vote for them? Because I want everyone to know, and I and the elders want everyone to know who the deacons are. Mm. And so because it's such a big deal, they're taking on such a large ministry responsibility that I want to honor them by making it a um, biblically... I want them, I want them to be up front, have their name considered, prayed over, and then affirmed, um, and have the elders' nomination affirmed. If that makes sense. So it's not like empower the people and let them vote. It's um, we want to let our church know who their deacons are. Right. Yeah, and really That's to honor good. them. So and because the biggest piece about this is there's something really special about someone who takes on a huge ministry role and isn't getting paid for it. Mm. And so I really wanted to honor those people. So um, our um, deacon of memberships, Tyler Huggins. And so he does yeoman's work when it comes to scheduling and getting people in here for membership. Tyler's a champ. Yeah, he's amazing. And, and, and that's a lot of interviews to figure out. And then there's always space issues with trying to figure out where we're going to do the interviews for membership and trying to make the membership classes better and all that. Mm-hmm. He just has been a real blessing. Before Tyler it was Nathan Blick. And so, so grateful for the, their work in the, the membership uh, deacon role. Uh, we also have Liz Mitchell, Deacon of Care. Woo. Um, before Liz, it was Laura Decker who was Deacon of Care. And so just really grateful for their work and what they um, have done as deacons. Uh, and Chelsea McCown is a Deacon of Women. Uh, rock star. Re- yeah, rock mm-hmm. star. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And uh, so, yeah, deacons have really served our church in a big way, and it really was more of a way to honor them. Now, with elders, um, uh, there is no biblical thing for, 
voting for elders. But there is a criteria. Right. So what the reason why we do it the way we do it is partly in, in part because as a nonprofit, you have to have a board. And so it works out mm-hmm. that in America, the elder board could also be the elders. Works out, right? Or the, you know, like the board of trustees or whatever it is, the board. Um, and so that's why we do a vote to affirm. But what Paul did in the Bible is he would go and just appoint elders. That's so what we do is we appoint and then we have the congregation affirm. So whenever you're voting, you're not actually a, a voting, you're affirming uh, the elder's decision or are you saying, I don't trust the elder's decision. Or, you know, hopefully that's why we give you a couple of weeks to, say, like, to bring it up to the elders. Hey, there's an issue with this person. I don't think this person should be an elder or a deacon or whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think, I think it can be a little bit challenging if you're not familiar with the multiple sort of factors you're having to deal with as a church. Um, in America. In America, right? Yeah, yeah I did not of, realize yeah, that sort of we wild. needed a board. Yeah, you have to have a board. Oh, yeah. uh, all nonprofits do. That way okay. your CEO or lead pastor isn't just doing his own thing. Yeah, or a CEO, kind of like Chris. A, I love that. <laughs> a corporation, like if a, a, a an entity is fi- files as a corporation, they have to have a board. Yep. Yep. Too. Yep. And so, um, yeah. So, and that, and what's really great about that is that means I'm always in submission to the elder board and then the elders are not permanent elders. They're temp- they're, they're, they have terms. And so they're going to be in submission to the elder board once they roll off. And so <laughs> yeah. that, there's a constant submission to one another that happens uh, through that, which is really great. Uh, and so then also, so why not staff? Why didn't we make staff a bigger deal? Um, that's a good question. Uh, it's not a biblically empowered role. And so, uh, I don't know if, you know, not that I don't love Nicole as my administrative assistant and think that she needs to be biblically voted for, but it's like, you're affirming my decision to hire somebody. And that would be just sort of weird in my view. Cause it's, there's no purpose. She's here. All right. She's here to serve the church, but she's here to serve me as, uh, an extension of to do the of me to do the work that I need, and as Jacob, as an intern, uh, he's here to serve me in the church and do all the things. But and I'm training him to be a pastor, and I just don't. It, it doesn't have a. Um, I, I just feel like there's not a need for a biblical empowerment because there isn't a place in the Bible where it says intern or administrative assistant. So I think that's why um, that we don't vote for that. But I, th- I think it's a great question. I'm one. I'm really glad that that was asked. Any yeah. other thoughts on that, guys? Um, I mean, I think, I think the importance, the the important thing to remember about staff is that we're not, like, you're not just like choosing random people off the street. Well, yeah. Um, like everyone that you've hired has been a member of our church. At least at this point, everyone's yeah. a member of our yeah. church. So there's we, been. Some we've only hired work. two people from outside of our church. Yeah. Uh, one was Phil Kwan. Uh, back in the day as a youth pastor back in the day and or right actually so one yeah mm. yeah and so i mean in that way there's been some like you go through the membership process like you speak with elders and they affirm the fact yeah. that you're a believer and yeah. you've been saved and you've been baptized and all that stuff you know so yeah so good um like in my case like both joel and robert know me and know who i am and uh you know you have, I guess, like references within the church. Right. You know, you could reach out to my community group leaders and be like, hey, is Nicole falling apart or is she really okay? You know, 
Are you yeah. falling apart? Or are no, you okay? I'm not. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, like, if you know, there there are ways to for staff, like, if yeah. you're reaching from inside the church, which I think is really great. The fact yeah. that we do that is wonderful. Yeah, uh, that's the first place you want to hire because it's the. Mm-hmm. I, this is probably the wrong way to say it, so don't judge me. But the, the evil that you know is better than the one that you don't. Oh, yeah. Does, yeah. That, does that make sense? It's like, I know all of Jacob's flaws, and I know all of Nicole's flaws. That's true. And mm-hmm. so when I hire you, I know what I'm getting, as opposed mm-hmm. to, I thought you were perfect. And <laughs> So, yeah. And, but they are close to perfect because they're that awesome. Oh, wow. Especially Nicole. Thanks. Thank oh. you, Jesus. All right, next question. <laughs> what do people do when they're mourning the loss of someone who didn't know the Lord? It's a great comfort to know that you'll see your dad again one day because he gave his life to Christ. But how do we handle it when someone doesn't belong to Jesus? What are your thoughts on this, Jacob? Oh, man. Yeah, this is tough. Uh, my grandfather just passed away, and he did not believe in the Lord. Mm. Um, and that's tough. So I'm not exactly going to answer this question, but I am going to share my experience as a Christian. Okay. So what this does for me— um, one, you know, it's incredibly sad, but two, it puts a fire inside of me to continue sharing the gospel with those who don't know, like my grandmother and my whole mom's side of the family. Right. And so how do I comfort my grandmother who does not uh, know the Lord? And if I just continue preaching to her, Hey, my grandpa's in hell. <laughs> like, I don't think that brings her a whole lot of comfort. So is it a great comfort to know that you'll see your dad again? One, wait, no, no, sorry. But how do we handle it when someone doesn't belong to Jesus? Yeah. Um, something that Chris said to me, and he'll bring it up in a second, I'm sure, is, you know, talk about their life. Celebrate their life here on earth. Mm-hmm. He was a great guy. I loved him. We'd go fishing together. Um, and that was about it. And that was awesome. Um, yeah, so uh, the way that I... I've done many funerals where I had to preach at the funeral of a person who didn't know Jesus. And it's super hard, but here's the way that I do it. All right. I go there at the funeral. And so, and I know that you're like, but Chris, I'm not preaching a funeral. I'm just talking to somebody, but it's the same thing. Uh, Cause you're consoling somebody, right? So you go, number one, you want someone to do business with their grief. Like there's a, it's okay to cry. Like crying is good. Saying that you miss that person and that it was so sad. Like you have tear ducts for a reason. So allowing someone space to grieve is really, really awesome. And then two, you want to kind of keep their memory alive. So you'd say something like, let's talk, let's talk about all the funny stories of this loved one that passed away. And you, you know, everybody does this anyway at, at funerals. They never lied or they always did the right thing, which we all know is not true and you don't need to correct their theology on the anthropology of man but uh or the depravity of man but what you what you do need to do is um kind of go with them on the great stories of tell me more about that time when they uh took a rifle and accidentally you know shot the barn and then made the, the barn collapsed or what, whatever the thing is you know tell me again that story and then they laugh and they tell the story and it's so funny and so sweet and then you shift to, you know, the great joy is that um, Jesus came and he died on the cross for sin and he rose from the dead. And you don't necessarily have to put that person in there and say like, oh, they're burning in hell. Um, for, you know, there's eternal conscious torment for them. That's really sad. I, I, don't, I think whenever you're explaining the gospel, um, you, you go to that place where you say like, this person 
passed away. We don't know if they're not saved, right? I mean, who knows? The last second as they were dying, they may have given their life to Christ. Um, so we don't, you don't know for sure. But what you do know is that God is sovereign. And we, we've said this before, that God is going to wipe away every tear and he will comfort you. So um, that, that's why that there should be a great imperative desire for us to share Jesus with people, not so they can just have a better life here on earth, but so that, that their, their eternity is, is taken care of. And so when you kind of come at it with like a, um, you, or you don't address it at all, you're doing that grieving person a disservice. Now, I don't know if you need to make them cry right then. You don't need to go, yeah, they're just burning. I think what you do is that um, you talk about heaven and how you get there. So that's what I've done. I was like, you know, we're all sinners and I'm so grateful that Jesus came and he died on that cross, he rose from the dead and my sins are taken care of. So I'll be with Jesus forever when I die. And that way you're talking about it in terms of your own experience. Um, let's say uh, the other piece is that God is sovereign. So God is in complete control. There's nothing that surprises him and that might not be super comforting for people, but it's really comforting for me to know that God is in control. There's not one person outside of his will that that person, um, it, it's, it wasn't due to your not sharing Christ. It wasn't due to your not caring. It wasn't due to anything other than uh, for whatever reason, they got what they deserved and the, the beautiful thing of the gospel is we get what we don't deserve. And so I, again, I know it's hard. I don't know how many times this conversation comes up, but for me, it goes grieve with them, keep their memory alive by having them tell some funny stories. And then thirdly, talk about my hope that's in Jesus. Yeah. I, I really like that. And I like how you said, you know, it's important that you give them space to, to grieve and you actually address the grief. And yeah. When I think about that, I think about being in a rehab and they're talking to us about the five stages yeah. of grief. And it just reminds me like, you know, it's not a linear process. It, right. it, it, it doesn't go from one to five. It could be anywhere in between. Um, and like, that's just, you know, we it, it, it looks different for everyone. And right. it's just important that we're able to understand and like just understand what they're going through and how much it hurts and to... Let them be however they want it to be. Grieve however they're going to grieve. Right. Yeah. And what sometimes people do is they change what they believe because it's more convenient. And that is what you don't want to do um, because when you go down that road, then there is no truth. So <clears throat> I've known several people who sort of gave up on their faith in Jesus because somebody died outside the faith. And they're like, I can't believe in a God who, well... <sighs> What you're doing when you do that is you're taking the Bible and you're inserting your own opinion into it. And then what part of the Bible can you trust now? Like that, that's the part that I really struggle with when people go, I just can't understand a God who would blank, uh, not be compassionate on this really, really good person because they were good. And so they should be in heaven. It's really weird because no, we all, if you're a Christian, if you've been around the, the Christian block for a while, we all know that there is none righteous. There's no, not one for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so like how many murders does it take to be a murderer? One. How many lies does it take to be a liar? Well, if you violated those two commandments, then you are, I mean, I feel like with murder, everyone's like, okay, that makes sense. But the problem is, what's the difference? It's just opportunity, really. I mean, a lie is one thing, but murder is another. And so, and and to be fair, there there is levels of punishment in hell based upon the revelation you've been given from God, uh, which is a whole another 
conversation. But um, so I, I do feel like we need to kind of wrap our head around that truth. And it's important to help people grieve that are really mourning the loss of people who didn't know Jesus. And, um, and I think the biggest piece is God is good. He is good. He, there's no mistakes. And so he knew exactly what he's doing. And so we trust and hope in him, even when that pain is really hard. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Any other thoughts on that? I think what you said about like remembering the life of of someone. I mean, celebrating someone's life is a really big part of grieving, I think. And uh, my grandma passed away when I was in high school and she was a believer. So I have the comfort of knowing like she's in heaven. She's not suffering. She's with Jesus. Um, but I mean, and and that's great. But like remembering her and remembering all the good memories definitely helped me and my family grieve her loss when yeah. she died. So in general, I think that's just a really good, really good piece of advice for anyone who's lost someone. Yeah. To them. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Last bit here uh, with the recent news of child pornography of Balenciaga. What is the church doing to step up and fight because pornography has become a severe issue in this nation? It's a health crisis. The church hasn't officially addressed this topic and taken a stand to fight this fight. Are they afraid to address this topic with the church in fear that it might step on people's toe? Why cower down? Why are, pa- why are not pastors doing something about this and speaking the hard truth about porn is a sin and it's hurting men, women, and children? I would love to kind of start this one off. So... A really good friend of mine, about 20, 30 years ago, in the church started a recovery program for pornography, sex addicts, the whole nine yards, which 20 or 30 years ago, that was unseen of, unheard of in the church. The church wouldn't touch that topic. Right. We'll fast forward to 2022, and it is something that they touch. And so when the question is asked, why won't the church do something about it? Um, I'm not sure who asked the question, but I just want to bring to your attention that, man, there are so many recovery groups for it. Pastors are on stage uh, putting a name to it. Um, They speak out uh, against it. Um, It's just like I think you're kind of getting at. It's super uh, prevalent in today's day and age. And the church is doing something about it. They're getting up on stage. They're preaching about how destructive that sin is. And they're calling people to uh, repent and they're arming them with God's word um, to fight that fight. Yeah. What was really kind of weird about this particular Balenciaga thing was that little girls were made to pose in suggestive positions next to teddy bears wearing dominatrix-inspired leather outfits and other BDSM toys. And then... Beyond that, there was a famous child porn case, like documents that were snuck into the background. It's wild. So it, it, this is where, and Balenciaga sued the campaign people for like 25 million. I think there's two two separate suits out there. Anyway. Wow. So I, I think what's good about this, the reason why you're not seeing the church get all up in arms about it, it's like the secular world is up in arms about it. So it, we're all against this. This is There's nobody going, like there's there's nothing to fight the power on. It's just somebody doing something really dumb and stupid and sinful and evil. And uh, even the secular world is condemning it. So um, yeah, I, I think we're all, we're all thumbs down on porn. We think porn is evil. We think porn is bad. Um, if you're stuck in porn, that doesn't mean you're bad. 
It just means, well, I guess probably does mean you're bad, but we're all bad. And that Jesus died on the cross for you. And so come, come talk to us. We would love to help walk you through repentance, help walk you through your new life in Christ. Um, and so you don't have to uh, be stuck in that. But yeah, I, I think porn has been an issue for years and years and years and years. And to Jacob's point, we talk about it. I mean, it, it gets a reference almost every Sunday. That's true. It does. I was That's that's what I was going to say. I was like, I feel like you, more than any other pastor I've watched, have you, you bring up this issue all the time. Yeah. And um, I mean... We have we have groups, groups plural, <laughs> of men that yeah. meet together to specifically tackle this issue in particular. Yeah. Um. In our in our church, you mm-hmm. know, and so you know the question is like, I think, I I questions like this are interesting because there's a lot of they're putting a lot of uh, responsibility on the church when there's also an equal amount or maybe even more of a responsibility on you as a person, Mm. on you as an individual to stand up against this too. Like we don't realize how much, you know, TV we watch includes sex stuff or whatever. Like it's everywhere. It's in every TV show. It's in every sitcom. Like it doesn't even, it's in a lot of ways making its way into like teenage and preteen stuff now. Right, right. You know, so like, you know, I mean- the church is doing something. So to all of you out there, what are what are you as individuals doing to guard your hearts and guard your minds and guard the minds of your your children who are really impressionable? So um Yeah, it is so invasive. I was playing really a is, game yeah. on my phone the other day and one of the ads for like it was a puzzle game, a completely harmless. And there's like a like a fantasy sex ad for like an app that pops up as one of the ads. I'm like, man, like I would let a five-year-old play this, uh, a puzzle game, but the ads are just completely inappropriate. Yeah. It's like, what do you do about that? Yeah. So, yeah. So we're thumbs down on porn. We're thumbs down on evil. Uh, we want Jesus. Jesus came and died on the cross for that evil. And so, um, yeah. So, and I, I think, I, I guess the reason why you're not hearing more of a, an outrage is that because the whole world is outraged against this specific uh, scandal. And uh, and so yeah, like Kim Kardashian distanced herself from it. <coughs> uh, Balenciaga has distanced itself, and in fact, they're suing the whole campaign. So there you go. Um, <coughs> sorry about that. Bless you. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, we're gonna move on. And listen, if you have any questions about faith, culture, everything in between, I would love for you to text us in at 737-231-0605. We would love to hear from you. And whatever you're subscribing, wherever you are um, uh, watching this, please share it. Please let people know about Pastor Plex Podcast. We'd love to talk. Yeah, and give us some reviews and let us know what you think about it. We would love to hear from you. Uh, So from our house to yours, have an awesome week of worship.